news, everyone. Jesus is alive and well. This is Glenn Raglan with Great Ministries. I want to welcome you back to our weekly podcast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this podcast. We thank you for those who are listening. We pray that your word will go forward and not return empty, that it will accomplish what you sent it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is the third part of our Promises in the Bible, and I want to look at the promises related to salvation. The word salvation appears in the Bible 164 times. The definition of salvation is, it is the deliverance from guilt and sin. We all need deliverance from guilt and sin. It's in our DNA. Throughout recorded time, man has sought to be delivered from original sin, which was passed through the bloodline from Adam from generation to generation. Man has worshipped created things, such as the sun, the moon, the stars, rocks, and even himself. However, he refuses to worship the God who created all those things. Only God can satisfy the need to be forgiven. The gospel message reveals salvation. It is God's own power that can save every soul that accepts his message. Our first scripture is coming from 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verses 3 and 4. It teaches that, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He wants me to be saved. He wants your friends, your family, your co-workers. He wants everyone to be saved. We have an opportunity, once we hear the word, to accept or reject his message. Verses 1 and 2 of the same chapter ask us to pray for all men. If you are a believer, you need to be praying for the unsaved. Unfortunately, not all will be saved because they refuse to adopt the message of the cross. Psalm 119.155 mentions that salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. The wicked are not thinking about God. They're not thinking about his statutes. They're not thinking about his son. They're not thinking about the cross. They're not thinking about anything but their own selfish desires. By refusing to seek God through his word, God is not in the wicked man's heart, his head, his words, or his ways. Jesus is called the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him in Hebrews 5 and 9. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it didn't come as a surprise to the Trinity. They already had a plan worked out to redeem man so that he would spend eternity with God. We are promised eternal salvation by the one who created salvation for us. If you believe that Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again just to purchase your salvation, you should not have a problem obeying him. But our problem is obeying him because we want to do what we want to do. So he wants us to obey. What is it that he wants us to do? Titus 2 verses 11 and 12 teaches that for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, 
That's pretty simple. We are to deny ungodliness. We are to deny worldly lust. And we should live soberly. We should live righteously. And we should live godly. It is God's grace that ensures that all men have the opportunity to receive salvation. Grace is spread equally throughout the world. He loved us so much that he gave his son to shed his blood on the cross, and that blood is available for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white, brown, or any other color under the rainbow. His grace covers all. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the very power of God to everyone that believes. That's proclaimed by Paul in Romans, the first chapter, the 16th verse. It is the power of Christ's life that gives us abundant life. Jesus said that, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. It is the power of Christ's blood on the cross that delivers us from guilt and sin. Nothing else could satisfy God's wrath except the eternal sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for each and every one of us. It is the power of Christ's death and his resurrection that gives us eternal life. If we want to spend eternity in heaven, we must go through the Son. So now what? What must I do to be saved? Acts 4 and 12 remarks, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. That's the only way we can be saved and go to heaven. This is hard for many to accept. Many will make excuses. They have logic. They will have their own rebuttal. There has to be other ways other than God's way. But it's his plan of salvation that will get us into heaven with him. In Acts 16, verses 30 and 31, is the conclusion of Paul and Silas being put in jail. An earthquake occurred, shaking the whole jail, freeing their chains, and opening the doors to the jail cell. After the Philippian jailer witnessed the events, he asked, What must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. This is the simple gospel. Salvation by grace alone, received by faith alone. The Philippian jailer didn't have to do anything but accept the word of God. Here's what Jesus says, recorded in John, the 10th chapter, and the 9th verse. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In biblical times, shepherds would set up a pen with one way in and one way out. The shepherd would lie across the entrance, thus becoming the door. His presence would keep the sheep in and the wolves out. Jesus is offering himself as that door, promising to save all who come in under his care and to provide abundant life. Jesus wants you to come by him so that you enter into the pen of safety, and he wants you to come by him as you go out into the world. In Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 9 through 13, it summarizes the steps needed for the salvation promise. Number one, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. My confession is an agreement with God 
that I accept his plan to be saved based on the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross and that he is Lord. Not only do we have to accept his plan, we have to accept Jesus as being Lord of our life. He is our Savior, and then he becomes our Lord. It reminds me of the story of a young man who was in an automobile accident, and a stranger came by and saved him and pulled him from the wreckage, took him to the hospital, where he recovered. Years later, he got into a little bit of trouble. When he went to court, he saw that the judge was the same person who had saved his life years ago. Thinking that he was going to get off scot-free, the judge looked at him and said, Years ago I was your savior. Now I'm your judge. The second step in the plan is to believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. It's a very simple plan. This is also difficult for some people, that God let his own son go to the cross for each and every one of us for a crime that he did not commit to take on the punishment that was deserved for you and I, took the death penalty, and was raised from the dead. But if you look at it, each of us must also die and be raised again. Whether we are raised to go to heaven or raised to go to hell, we will rise again. God has a very simple plan for our salvation. Confess and believe. Man has complicated this plan with all of his extras. He adds different laws and rituals that complicate the salvation plan that's not in his word. The salvation promise is also found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, it's a promise. Whosoever. Whosoever is you, whosoever is your friends, whosoever is your co-workers, whosoever is an unsaved person who, once they get saved, will go to heaven as well. If you know someone like that, you need to give them the good news that all they need to do is confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, and they will be saved as well. As Christians, we have a duty to tell as many people about the good news as we possibly can. I believe we're falling short these days because of fear and the unknown. How many people have you witnessed to in the last three days, in the last three months, in the last three years? If you're a Christian, you need to share your testimony about what God has done for you in your life and how you were saved. If you would like to accept God's free plan of salvation, already paid for in advance with the blood of Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for your Son, who you sent to the cross to exchange his precious blood for my sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that we could live with you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we welcome you to the family of believers. Find a good Bible teaching church so that you can continue with your education. Pray for great ministries. You may send your prayer request as well as your praise reports to hello at greatministries.org. Great Ministries is supported by friends like you. If you'd like to donate to us, you can go to the website greatministries.org, click on the donate button, and donate any amount. We certainly thank you for that.
you'd like to write to us, write to us at Post Office Box 1654 Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or call us at 678-693-2204. Share this ministry with your friends, your family, and especially the unsaved. Have a great week and be blessed.